On this week's Ohio Sports Blog Podcast, we will review the Indians' first half and possible trades and trade they have already made and preview the upcoming second half of the season. Also, we'll look back at the Cavs' summer league season, what we can expect from the Cavs this winter uh, with the trade deadline and what they're going to do with their veterans. Also, who, what young guys look good this summer and what guys we can expect that we didn't expect to see that might be on the roster this coming winter. Also, a reaction to Tiger Woods' day at the British Open. Also, who won the British Open in reaction to Jordan Spieth and all the top names and how they did over in Scotland at Carnoustie. Cavs Summer League. How about you, Charlie? Were you impressed? I was slightly impressed. I was impressed. Um, I was impressed mainly because, as we all know, Summer League is what it is. It's like preseason football. But I was really impressed with how well the number eight, number eight pick, Colin Young Bull Sexton, took to the league, played great defense, and was a uh, spark plug for the Cavs. Uh, looks to be um, – a great pickup for the Cavs at number eight. You know, I'm only slightly impressed because you, you, you said you compared summer league to the preseason in the NFL. I feel like it's pre preseason in the NFL because you know who plays in the in the summer league. Mostly this year, the years past, uh, draft picks, uh, G League players, and players hoping to get an invite to training camp or or two way contract. And that's where I'm at. I think I'm probably the most pessimistic Cavs fan out there. I was impressed with the way that Colin Young Bull Sexton played. Don't get me wrong. But I want to see this guy do it against guys who are actually going to be on an NBA roster next season before I am am waving my fan fan flag like a dedicated Cavs fan should. I agree with you. I agree with you. The um, the Cavs. Um, I I guess I didn't expect. I didn't know what to expect from them, but I didn't expect uh, Seti Osman to play as well as he did. Nor did I expect Zizic to play as well as he did. Um, those two were two spark plugs that um, came from last year's team. That I didn't really know what to expect from them. I knew Osman would give us a bunch of effort and uh, give us those type of plays, but. His scoring and rebounding and leadership, most of all, for the summer league team was what was very impressive. Oh, I completely agree with on Osmond. Osmond looked like he learned so much in just one year with LeBron, and he was a floor general out there. I mean, granted, he was leading a bunch of young guys, but I hope that we see that Chetty Osmond when we're in the regular season because that's the type of player that we need on this team. And with Zizic... You're right. We did, I didn't. I didn't know what to expect from him either. But he, the dude ab- absolutely dominated and proved that he needs to get playing time. Come training camp, come preseason, and come the regular season. If um, Ty Lue doesn't give this kid playing time, then Ty Lue probably isn't the right coach for this team. Because if we're really committed to these young guys, then we need to give these young guys all the playing time that they need and deserve. Because they're not going to develop without the proper playing time. For sure, and I don't think anybody, nobody's fooling themselves. This is going to be, at best, 
500 team. I mean, probably 35 to 40 wins because the East is so weak. But um, I think the first half of the season, I don't know what your thoughts are, but first half of the season, I think it should be dedicated to getting to building Kevin Love and Tristan and JR's trade value to the trade deadline in the second half of the season should be dedicated to building our young young core that's going to be with us for a long time. Yeah, well yeah, we need to this the we are definitely more prepared this time this time when LeBron left than we were the last time. We have young assets ready to produce and ready to go for this team. And we have veteran tradable veterans who we could get decent returns for. So we can expedite this. And you're right. We have to focus our offense around Kevin Love. Honestly, I don't know about JR, but because he's been so inconsistent and with LeBron not there anymore, I don't know if you really can spike up his value. Even if he does, does play a lot of minutes, I think it would be unfair to other guys like Rodney Hood if we did play him a lot of minutes despite his contract. I mean, his contract is not guaranteed after this year, so that's a good thing. So maybe we could get a team to get take him on if if he plays well enough, but I think we would be doing a disservice to guys like Rodney Hood and Jordan Clarkson and Colin Sexton, uh, Jetty Osmond, if we were playing JR more minutes than them. Yeah, I think I think Jr. is probably a special case. Like, it'll take this right team with the right that really needs a, what Jr. Smith can give them. Um, not not on a consistent basis, but he can give you a couple nights of really, like, you know, seven three pointers, eight three pointers. You know, every so often. So it'll take the right team to really want Jr. But I think the other two, Kevin, build his trade love trade value up and Tristan Thompson voters trade value up to get them uh, traded at the trade deadline. Because I think that there'll be, uh, those will be two guys that a lot of people may shop for because of what they can bring to a team. Yeah. I, I the one thing about Tristan though, is I think it's going to be hard to tr- offload him, not just because of his contract, because yeah, he's special in one area. He's only special in one area, and that's offensive rebounding. The guy can't shoot shoot the ball. He can't – he's not great at free throws. I mean, he's almost – he's not as bad as Shaq. Let me tell you, Shaq is probably one of the worst free throw shooters I've ever seen in my life. And Andre and Andre Drummond could be on that level too. Tristan Thompson is better than those two. But, I mean, people adopted the hack of Tristan – um, hack a Tristan uh, strategy when they played the Cavs the last two years and I honestly think that makes a player harder to unload and I think like you said with JR it's going to take the right team I think with Tristan it's going to take the right team I mean because what JR gives you is volume shooting what Tristan gives you is offensive rebounding energy and effort for the most part is he going to are we going to see the Tristan that we saw late in the playoffs this year or are we going to see the Tristan that we saw early on in the year that looked absolutely like hot trash? For sure. I, I 100% agree. And um, it'll take the Sprite team for both of those guys um, to be able to, to be able to unload those two. And, uh, but I mean, with our young guys, we have coming back to that. Um, I mean, just looking at this, the summer league roster. I mean, it's, there's some guys that can play like, 
you know, we've already talked about uh, Colin Sexton and Zizich and um, Teddy Osmond. But uh, did you watch? I didn't. I only watched. I'm honest with you. I only watched a couple summer league games. But did Billy Preston get much playing time this summer? He got a decent amount of playing time. He actually, the Cavs looked like they were giving him a good look. And he actually looks like he could be a potential steal because they did give him a two-way contract. He's a former five-star recruit from Kansas. So the the kid has got talent. Um, I don't think he played at Kansas. And I think he ended up playing overseas. And I think that's kind of what shot his value and why he didn't get picked. But he could potentially get be a steal if we can offload guys like Tristan and Kevin Love and bring him up and get more playing time. Um, he bring, he can score, he can rebound, um, and it looked like he could play some pretty good defense too. Yeah, and here's the guy. He's he's six foot ten, two hundred and forty pounds. And I mean, if you're going to Kansas as a five star, you know you can play somewhere. You, you have the ability to play at some level. So I, I yeah. agree with you. I think that could be a steal for the Cavs to another young guy that they can develop. You know, because they're going to be a developmental team um, with a lot of young guys trying to build up uh, some pieces to become uh, competitive in the East again. And I and like you just said it right there, they're going to be a developmental developmental team, and that's where like I've been. I I I was watching on I was watching Twitter during summer league because I I, I wanted to see how Cavs fans react. And, you know, they gave the typical optimistic Cleveland fan reaction. I mean, you, you could probably agree with me. Most Cleveland fans are very – we're very optimistic fans. We always we yes, always, want, I mean, we, we always want to think the best out of situations. Mm-hmm, for sure. But, but sometimes that optimism is, gets us into too much trouble and we expect too much and things don't go the way that we thought that they would. And you know what? Am I the only one that forgot how much that we lost when LeBron left the last time? I mean, four years to the finals can't erase how much losing that we did. Now, granted, we didn't have as much talent that we did, but still, the East is better than it now than it was then. I mean, you still got the Celtics, you got the Sixers, you got the Raptors now with Kawhi and Kyle Lowry. There's still some damn good teams out here in the East. There's the Bucks with the young, young and up and coming. I mean, we could. St- I think it's going to be hard to win thirty-five to forty games, even though we play in the East. Yeah, I think that that's the that would be the top end would be thirty-five to forty games, uh, depending on how well Kevin Love plays and how well Tristan and Jr. play for us, and uh, how well Rodney Hood also plays for us, and how well these young guys do take to the NBA game. Um, I think it's uh this is really going to test Ty Lue as far as you know these young guys are playing and what will he how patient he will be with them and uh, it'll also test the front office as far as um, making moves and getting more assets and more draft picks and more young players when we do end up trading uh, Kevin Love or someone in that of that caliber. You know, and you know what I agree with that. Um, it's. This is going to show how good the front office actually is at evaluating talent. And so far, so good. But let's put them up against real NBA guys for a full 82 games, and let's see how they do. I mean, this much is true. Colin Sexton has absolutely got to be in the starting lineup. Absolutely, because the kid was the eighth overall pick. You have to put him in the starting lineup. The thing is, is I'm interested to see how Lou is going to 
finagle the lineup with all these veterans and and these young kids? How is he going to get the veterans enough playing time to make them tradable assets? And how is he going to get the young guys enough playing time to actually develop into solid, good or and or great NBA players? Because I think we got some potentially some potential in some of these players to be good and great. Colin Sexton has greatness written all over him from what I've seen already. Um, and that just gets me excited. Ante Zizic has good to potentially great. Jetty Osman, he has good written all over him. I mean, he's he's got the leadership skills of a 13-year veteran out there, honestly. And part of that, I think, was LeBron. But, I mean, part of that is this kid has been – he was like 15 years old. So, I mean – can't, I think we can expect more more leadership like that for when starting come the regular season. Yeah, I think I think I, lo- I like a lot of things Austin brings to the team. Uh, he's going to lead by example, not just by um, by words. He's a, he's your number one effort guy. He's your number one energy guy. Um, he's going to defend the best player on the team. Um, I've liked Colin Sexton from the day they drafted him. And he said, "I want to wear number two. I don't care who wore it before me. I'm wearing number two, and he's going to be number two for the team. And he plays – I mean, there's another guy. He plays great defense. If nothing else, he's a high-volume shooter in the summer league, but he's also a great defender, 6'2", 190-pound guard. Um, you know, he played under Avery Johnson at Alabama, so he's got some – Avery was a pro coach. He was a pro, so he hopefully he was able to mentor him, tutor him a little bit as far as what he'll need to see in a pro game. Um, and I'm with you on Zizic. I think I like him. He brings us another big guy to potentially to be the big guy in the middle for years to come. And then um, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, it kind of stuck under the radar. The Cavs signed Channing Fry back um, as another asset they're going to have to to play with um, to be able to be a veteran leader, be a veteran mentor to these young guys in the locker room. I did see that. I was one of the first to retweet it because I was absolutely excited and ecstatic about that move. This team won so much with Channing in the lineup. And he, like you said, he provides so much veteran leadership. He brings championship playoff experience. So, I mean, with the East, we could realistically probably make the playoffs. I mean, knowing where we're at right now, that probably isn't the best thing to do. We need to focus on developing our younger talent but like but Channing gives you what Channing gives you you cannot get from a young kid you cannot get a playoff wily veteran who can shoot threes and um mentor the young kids on this team I think he can mentor guys like Zizic he can mentor um Jetty Osman and be uh, be there for guys like Colin Sexton because he's been around the block he's been with these veterans um and speaking of um, what was you mentioned, um, Colin Sexton and playing for Avery Johnson, that dude was an NBA coach and he's coaching in college, so you know the kid's got skills. So he, he like, and the speaking of Sexton, this is what I wanted to get to the point too. The for lack of a better term, but the balls and the gumption on that kid to say I'm gonna wear number two. I mean. Uh, people, to, uh, I know every Cleveland fan remembers the shot heard around the world when Kyrie Irvin drilled that three-pointer in Game 7 of the Finals to give us the lead. The balls and the gumption to say, I'm going to wear number two and I don't care. This kid, I think he could potentially make us forget about Kyrie and we could be saying Kyrie who a few years from now. 
Yeah, I like the uh, I like the attitude and the self confidence. He just walked right in and said, "I want to wear number two. That's going to help him out a lot in the future. And uh, you're right. If we can, um, I'm with you. I don't think because next year's pick is top ten protected, so we'd be better off uh, losing losing and getting the top ten pick rather than you know making the AC and get beaten the first round by the Celtics who'll be who are going to be stacked and loaded next year. Probably going to end up representing the East in the finals. Um, so yeah, if we can, I mean, just thinking ahead a couple of years, if we can, you know, Sexton, Zizic, Osman, um, and add another top ten pick to that next year, I mean, that's a pretty. Now we're starting to get a pretty good core of players, um, young guys who we can build around um, and become good, basically in the mold of the Boston Celtics, who you know build through the draft, through the draft, and then trade off some of our veterans and dump some salaries and maybe pick up a, a star here, a star there to add to that core and then become a contender in the East once again for the for the Eastern Conference Finals. And I'll tell you what, that's what I've said from day one. This could be a Boston Celtics type rebuild where we still get the top 10 picks and we still win enough to stay competitive. I don't think tanking, full-on tanking, is an option at this point with NBA changing the rules on how they – how tanking tanking teams are going to be given less of a chance to get the highest lottery pick. The Cavs need to focus on trying to loot on on win, on playing their best and trying to win games. And if they don't win those games, and they don't win those games, and then like you said, our t- our pick is top ten protected. We need to we need to lose enough to keep that top ten pick, but we need to win enough to show that we're not tanking to potentially even get another number one pick because you know how lucky we've been in the lottery the past few years when given an opportunity. I mean, what was it? Three out of four years we won the number one overall pick. Yep. That's true. And we almost want we almost won it the year that um Anthony Davis was drafted by the Pelicans. We almost won it that year, but the Pelicans had slightly better odds or won a a coin toss or something like that. And we're able to get that. Just think if we would have won that one, that would have been four straight years. And we could have potentially had Anthony Davis on this team. We probably wouldn't even be talking about this right now. No, no. Yeah. If we had, if we had the brow, we, we would be all right. And we'd probably be talking about two or three uh, championship rings right now. And LeBron but, um, would probably still be here too. Yeah. We'd have, we'd be, uh, We'd be stacking this team for another championship run if we had we'd have won that one. But yeah, because this year we ended up third, and I think we took Deion Waiters. Um, but um, worst pick in no, the Cavs. This, worst pick after after uh, Anthony Bennett. Anthony Bennett. I'm on, on sort of sidebar on that. I'll never forget watching the draft. They took and they're all the the pundits are talking about you know this guy that guy whoever. And all of a sudden, the Cavs take Anthony Bennett, and I think uh, collectively in Northeast Ohio was, who in the heck is that guy? And he didn't stick around very long. And you know what? I I I was probably one of the few Cavs fans that knew who he was just because I watched college basketball. Um, I knew the kid had talent, but I was I was still surprised to see him go number one overall. And I tried to like the pick, but as much as I tried to like the pick, I just couldn't bring myself to do it. And it and he proved why he he was. Hot trash. Hot trash. He was. He was lazy. Lazy and put on too much weight, and then he's not even in the league anymore. Nope. 
he couldn't even make Team Canada because he's Canadian. Did you know that? I didn't know he was Canadian. Yes, he went from Canada to Las Vegas to out of the league. Yep, in a heartbeat. And uh, yes, it was a quick one. Um, all right. Well, that's. I mean, the Cavs are looking looking up. I mean, things are looking up. We have a good young core for the Cleveland Cavaliers, and uh, it'll show what Coach Lou can do and what our front office can do if they can build around this young core and um, see if we can keep adding to it. And what be interesting year for them, if not. Uh, win-wise, playoff-wise, championship runs as it has the last four years. But it'll be interesting here to see uh, moves that they make at the trade deadline if we can find our Brooklyn Nets to accept Kevin Love and give us every pick they have for the next 14 years like they gave the Celtics. Um, that'll be uh, be an interesting part of the season for the Cavs. Oh, my God. Do you know how much I would love if we were able to get a heist like that for Kevin Love? We, w- we would be oh. set. I mean – the Celtics are still collecting on that treasure trove of picks. Still collecting. Oh my goodness. Danny Danny Ainge should probably be put in jail for for that for ripping off the, the Brooklyn Nets like that. That I can't believe. Number one, I can't believe the, the league allowed that trade to happen. That but was the second, biggest I mean, robbery in basketball history. For sure. I mean, that's I, yeah, like you said. I think the Celtics are still picking, and they're going to pick in the third spot. I think for the next ten years. <laughs> it feels like it. It feels like it. Does. It. And, it does. And they're still making the playoffs. That yeah, that's what I mean, that's what make that organization so scary. But that's what yeah. gives me optimism about the Cavs. But then I also have pessimism when I think about the last time LeBron left. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I mean, when he left last time, we were we were in dire straits. Well, I mean, the last time he left, that team he brought to the to the finals in 2007. And then the team he played with the next couple of years, I mean, that was, I mean, that was bad. That was awesome. That was he might as well take he might as well came by came down the street, picked me up and about three of my buddies who played pick up basketball, and we'd have went to the finals with him. That's about what it was. But um, uh, almost yeah, as bad a, as the 07. almost bad as 07 yeah. against the Spurs. And we're, um, but I think we're in a better spot right now. We have uh, some good, like we should be. I mean, we've said before here. You know, good young talent uh, to learn, learn the game. And, uh, I mean, I hate to say it, but hopefully not win too many games so we can keep that top ten pick and add some more young talent next year. Yeah, um, and two more guys from that summer league roster I think we should watch um, for potential later call-ups who could pro- who will probably make our G League is uh, foot eleven center Marcus Lee. This guy was a former highly recruited guy. He plays really good defense. He's a force inside. And then 6'4 guard Dakota Mathias out of Purdue. He's an absolute sharpshooter. So he could be somebody potentially that we bring up if we were able to trade a Kyle Korver and or J.R. Smith. I I forgot about Korver. I saw uh, Cavs were in talks with the Sixers to unload Korver. Um, Yeah, potentially for Jared Bayless. It would, yeah, be a, great it, would be, it would be a uh, it would be great move for the Cavs and it would it would give Corver another chance to compete for a championship. And that man is a complete class act and he deserves to be on a winning team. Oh, for sure. He uh he was our second best player last year in the playoffs, arguably. Yep. Um when he was on when he was on it took such a load off LeBron and um, man, I can he can catch and shoot it. 
I'll tell you what, I always looked forward to looking on Twitter and um, every time the opposite team, the opposing team would make a shot and then Corver would go down and splash a three or something and the Cavs Twitter account would tweet, Corver counter. I got so used oh, to yeah. that. And I, I tell you what, I, I, I won't, it'll be hard to not get used to that when he's not, if, if and when he's not on the team. Yeah, he's an easy guy to cheer for. You're right. He's a he's a class act and everything he went through last year and then coming back uh, during the playoffs and playing well. Um, that was he'll always be remembered here in Cleveland, I think. Without a doubt, especially especially for what he did for Cleveland. Even though he never wanted, he never he he didn't win a championship with us, but he gave us all out effort every time, and that's always appreciated by a blue-collar town like Cleveland, Ohio. That's right. All right, so we're going to look forward to the Cavs this winter, uh, moves that they're going to make and building this team up. So be interesting season to watch them and uh, see what they can do with these young talent and uh, see if they unload some of the veterans we have. What's up? What's up, Charles? Let's get right into it. Uh, the Indians started the second half of the season last night with a – Nine to eight win as Edwin Encarnacion singles in the winning run in the eleventh inning. A um, little bit of a shaky outing for Trevor Bauer, but I think the offense owed him one this time, uh, getting him a no, no decision. But um, let's talk a little bit about the trade they made during the All Star break. Oh God, Brad Hand and Aaron Adam Simber from the Padres for top prospect Francisco Mejia. That that was a hell of a move by the Indians. We needed to better. We needed to strengthen this bullpen, and sadly, we had to give up our top prospect. But if we want to win the World Series, we got to give up guys like Francisco Mejia to get elite guys like uh, Brad Hand and uh, Adam Simber. Um, we're now six deep in the bullpen with um, Oliver Perez, Neil Ramirez, Cody Allen, Brad Hand. Adam Simber, and then when Andrew Andrew Miller eventually returned from injury, which so far so good in the minors, so now Terry can mix and match with his left. He's got three lefties and three righties. He can mix and match. He can bring them in as any any way he wants, and he doesn't have to strain the starting rotation anymore. Yes, and uh, I don't know if anybody if you caught it, but Andrew Miller had a great inning of uh, relief in Columbus on Tuesday. Struck out two batters in a, you know, one, two, three inning down there. So that's uh, it's always promising. Get him back. That'd be like making a major move at the trade deadline. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, um, it's fun. I did actually catch that. That was actually pretty. I was like, yes, now he's starting to look like Andrew Miller. We all remember. Um, it's funny that we talk about the uh, 98 victory last night. Um, Brad Hand did something very similar to Andrew Miller. Um Back when we acquired um, Andrew Miller in his first outing with us, he gave up a home run to Joe Maurer, and then he got the next two guys out. Well, Brad Hand did the same thing. He got he gave up a home run. Um, I can't remember who it was too, but he gave up the home run, and then he got the next two guys out. I mean, and then we eventually, with Andrew Miller, we went on to Game 7 of the World Series. I mean... To me, that kind of sounds like a good omen with Brad Hand. We could potentially go further this year. I like it. I like it. Also, the ageless wonder, Oliver Perez, came in, runners on first and se- first and third, and got uh, two pop-outs and a strikeout 
uh, one, two, three to end that threat late in the ball game. Also, oh yeah, Oliver Perez has been a godsend to this bullpen. I mean, you look at this guy with his different arm angles that he can throw out there at any time, and he just comes in and he gets guys out. He comes in and he works hard. He's given us something that we we've needed, um, and it's just another added weapon to this bull, making this bullpen that much da- more dangerous when it comes to postseason play. Yes, and uh, and I don't mind. I think I like the move the front office made by trading Mejia for what we need now because front office is looking, and you know, there's only such a there's only the window's only open for so long. So I think they and we have two young catchers. One of them just played in the All Star game. So I mean, giving up another catcher, and obviously they made the decision he won wouldn't be able to make the transition to the outfield soon enough to, for his bat to make a difference in the lineup. So I don't mind the move, trade him Mejia. And, I mean, good luck to him. I think he's going to be a great major leaguer someday. But, I mean, just for right now, our window is open for championships. and Keeping him around just didn't make sense. Agreed. I mean, Mejia, Mejia has, has a major league bet, ready bat right now, but he was blocked at the plate. And it's true that I heard the Tribe did not like what – his switch to the outfield to help out. So there was just no room for him. And you know what? What we got in Brad Hand and Aaron Simber was two guys with three to three to five years of control. Adam Simber, because he's a rookie this year, we got at least five years of control of him. And then Brad Hand, who just signed a contract extension with the Padres last offseason. So now on top of that, we've protected ourselves for the potential um, potential of losing Cody Allen and Andrew Miller next offseason because they're free agents, and I don't think the Indians are very optimistic about them being able to keep them, but you never know. But, I mean, this at least protects against that, keeps our window for a World Series wide open for the next couple of years, and it's World Series or bust at this point. I agree, I agree, especially with our – Again, our starting pitching is out of this world. And now that we've bolstered that bullpen, uh, maybe in the second half we can get some of those guys, instead of going to seven innings and racking up a bunch of innings on their arm, maybe just go like Bauer went four innings last night. A little rougher start for him than he's used to. But uh, right out of the gate, had a little extra rest. and um, But the, the Indians offense pulled him out, so he got a new decision there. Um, it was Zach McAllister got the win, and Otero got the save. Cody Allen struggled. He had a home run hit off of him. Actually, two home runs hit off of him to send that game an extra inning. So, I think that was a good win right out of the gate in the second half. Um, to get our team on the road on at that. On the road in Texas, which was nice. Um, so, it's things are looking up for the second half. Oh, definitely. And you know what? You talk about how Bauer had a shaky start. And you know what? I think a lot of that goes to they just came out of the break. A lot of guys don't look so great coming out of the break. And I don't believe he got the pitch in the All-Star game. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe he did. I don't think he Uh, did either. Which is ridiculous in its own right. But anyways, so he hasn't pitched since that Yankees no decision. And so, you know, he's probably a little rusty. But we know Trevor. Trevor's going to get it together, and he's going to be a second ace for us down the stretch. Um, Indian starting pitching does lead the league in pitches thrown. I think it's like 98.8. So the bullpen's additions are definitely going to help with that. And maybe this time we won't have to rely so heavily on Corey Kluber to the point where he's hurt coming into the playoffs. 
and you know we're we'll see the real Corey Kluber this time around, maybe I, 2016 version. I totally agree. I think our pitching is set up top to bottom now. Um, offensively, we're strong top top half of the offense. I just worry a little bit about the bottom half of the offense. Although Jason Kipnis, who's been struggling, did go two for five with three RBIs and a home run last night. So there's that's promising. He's had a pretty good um, – had a couple hits in that last game against the Yankees, and it's a couple hits again tonight. Um, you know, hitting a home run in the second inning. But um, Yeah, maybe, Kipnis seems to be coming around. Maybe it's because of the warmer weather, but um, – helping him out and he's getting some more consistent more at bats and getting better i mean him at the bottom of the lineup for us would be uh would be pretty would help out a ton as far as that production goes as far as i know he's had a pretty good july so if he can keep up this little mini tear he's been on i mean he's he's slowly but surely starting to produce for us again and if we can see some of the little bit of kipness that's one less thing the indians need to worry about what i worry about is are two outfield spots where we don't have a whole lot of production outside of Michael Brantley right now. Um, Geyer produced last night, but he's crap against right-handers. He's much better used against left-handers. Um, Chisholm Hall is on the shelf. Um, Rajay Davis gives us speed, gives us defense in the outfield, but not much else. And then Tyler Naquin, who's been solid this year, is much better suited for a corner outfield spot because he's not a great defender in center field. Yeah, um, I think that'll be one more move the Indians make before the deadline. Although we are getting Bradley Zimmer back, um, which I hope he get, comes back and get a month of uh, playing in and to maybe heading into the playoffs. But um, I think they need to make one more move, and that would be for a corner, uh, either a center fielder, which I don't know how many are on the on the in the market, but uh, or a corner outfielder maybe with uh, maybe not a whole lot of power, just some. Your hits for high average would be good. Um, yeah. Yes. But uh, just getting those guys, securing that lineup, the lineup that way, and then the outfield also would be, be huge for this team and really solidify this team. Oh, yeah. Agreed. And I know we got to talking in the uh, uh, staff chat the other day, and a couple of the guys were talking about Adam Jones. And I have to be very clear at this point, Adam Jones is not the answer. He, he's been hot garbage this year, even with Manny Machado in the lineup, and things are not going to get things are not going to get any better with Manny Machado now gone. This guy, he's not a great defender in center field anymore. I don't see him as a, 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 a impact enough in a corner outfield spot. He's not the answer for the Indians. We need to look elsewhere. I think maybe somebody like Whit Merrifield. I know um, division trading is generally frowned upon, but honestly, if the Royals want to really want to fast track their rebuild, you know, why not trade within the division for a veteran who is not in your future? I mean, Whit Merrifield's almost 30. He was a late bloomer. So, I mean, he could be a perfect addition for the tribe with his speed, his bat, and whatnot. I agree with you there. Yeah, but I agree also that the interdivision trading is usually frowned upon. But yeah, I, I'm Adam Jones. I'm not sold on. I think he's just a name, um, exactly, and then a name that's past his time. But um, yeah, the Indians need to get um, get a get a younger. I like the way that Antonetti's been doing it. As far as we don't trade for rental players, we trade for 
of guys who we have control of for, like you said, two, three, four, five years. Um, so then they're they're part of the team. They're not just guys who are going to show up uh, for a little for a little while and then be gone the next year. Yeah, and it started with you remember the Yabaldo Jimenez trade back in 2011 when mm. uh, old Manny Acta was still the manager. Yeah, 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 and I th- I believe that's when Antonetti started running the team. And I have to give it to him. I have loved every move that Antonetti has made since he's taken over this team. He has been a godsend to us. It was the best move that Dolan's ever made was putting him in charge of making player acquisitions and putting Shapiro further in the front office, who's now in Toronto. Now, God, God, Shapiro did make some good trades, but I've absolutely loved what Antonetti and their staff has done ever since they have uh, taken over the front office. And yeah, I- they can. I agree. I, I agree totally with you. Um, I mean, the because I mean, we we traded for Andrew Miller a couple years ago, and then had him. He's part of the team now for three years. Um, yep. You know, it's like I I just don't I just don't like the like the Machado trade to the Dodgers. I just don't like them running players for two years or for two years, two months, and then they leave the next year for something a bigger contract somewhere else. It just doesn't. I don't know. It just doesn't feel right to me, I guess. Um, I like guys who are, you know, been here for a couple of years who are, you know, part of the team, part of the community and the, the city can really get behind. And, you know, like all of our lineup is like that. And it just makes the, when we went to the world series this year or whenever it is, it's just going to make it feel that much better. No, oh, I, I agree. I mean, I was, I always said, I've been stating that Manny Machado did not fit this team. Not only because he wants to play shortstop right now, but also because you're right, he's a rental player. We're, we're going to have to give up an arm and a leg to get a guy that we're only going to have for two months. And if that doesn't lead to a championship, we've just mortgaged the future mm-hmm. and for nothing. And that's where I believe the Francisco Mejia trade was definitely the most savviest move that they could have made. Because, yeah, four or five years down the road, we could be saying, Oh crap! We shouldn't have traded him. But if if it leads to a championship, we won't care because one another championship in Cleveland is like five more than anywhere else. Exactly, and I'm... he uh, becomes an all star and a great uh, catcher and a you know what as good as he can be. But I mean, yeah, you're right. Well, I mean, he's at a spot where we have two young catchers. One just made the all star team. Um, I mean, it's just, it's just, he was stuck in a bad spot and good for the, the Indians needed to move him out to get some players. So then he, in his career can move forward in his career. And also we got, we strengthen our weakest part of, um, our weakest part of our team. Well, yeah. And in today's game, you have to get, you have to trade your top prospects to get the players that you want in return. And that's exactly what the Indians did. And I wish Francisco Mejia nothing but the best. But like you said, with Jan Gomes and Berto Perez, who's Trevor Bauer's personal catcher. I mean, you can't mess with that mojo. Trevor Bauer and Roberto Perez have amazing rapport together. And I think that's a big reason why Bauer has been so good over these last two and a half years. Yes, I, I fully, fully agree. Um, so it's going to be, you know, nothing but the best for me here. I hope he becomes an all-star in the National League. I do like that we traded him to the National League so we don't have to see him. Um, so yeah, that was a good move on the Indians part. And we got two elite relievers to bolster that bullpen. But I mean, it's, that was a great, great move before the, uh, during the all-star break by the front office. 
Oh, definitely. And I think another great move was bringing up old Yandy Diaz last night, who went four for four. Did you see that? I see. I did. I did see that. Yes. He actually went. He actually technically went four for six with two RBIs and two uh, two runs, and he had a he had a triple, which is nice to see, um, and two RBIs. So yeah, that was Yandy Diaz bringing up another bat into the uh, into the lineup again because he was up earlier in the year, wasn't he? Yes. He. Uh, no, actually, he. I think this is the first time he's been up all year. Okay. Um, uh, but. Yandy Diaz, he's played some outfield, and his defense actually isn't that bad in the outfield, so he could potentially slot in. He DH last night, but he could potentially slot into that um, corner outfield spot and give us something that we've been needing, which is a consistent, another consistent bat out there. And maybe we just need to make one more move for a guy to play center. I mean, I love Rajay, and Rajay gives us a lot of stolen bases, and he'll be great for a postseason run. But we need somebody more consistent in center field. Yes, I agree, and um, I think if we get one more bat out in the outfield, the center fielder guy could be more of a defensive guy, maybe a two twenty, two twenty five hitter um, who gets who can who can uh, handle the bat, you know, put down some sack bunts, sack flies, maybe not bring have the big hits, but be a defensive guy in center field. So then that would round out the defense and help the bottom half of the lineup also with, with getting it back to the top of the order. Well, it's funny you say that because you know who's available is uh, Billy Hamilton of the Reds. Um, that would be an interesting move. The Reds have a, a traffic jam in the outfield with Winker, Shep, Shebler, and uh, Duvall and Hamilton. And they're looking to offload Hamilton, and he's been on a tear right now for the Reds. That might be a savvy pickup for the Indians where we don't have to give up too much, and he gives us – elite speed and elite defense in center field, and hopefully he can handle the bat a little bit at the bottom of the order, if we were to get him, that is. Yeah, he's a fat, he's a speedy guy with speedy veteran. Uh, probably he could fit right in uh, with this club defensively in center field, and like you said, at the bottom of the order, he's a guy who can get us back to the top of the order um, without, you know, you're never going to, he's never going to hit into a double play. He can lay down some sack bunts. He can you know, move, move guys around for you. So he would be a savvy veteran to bring into that lineup and also defensively. I mean, he just, he's a great center fielder. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, people were going gaga over that home run that he stole, but honestly, I wasn't, I wasn't that impressed with it. I, I think I've seen Kenny Lofton do better. <laughs> I, yeah, that, that it was a good catch, but I think even Billy Hamilton's made better catches than that one. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was, it took away a home run, but um, it was it. it he, they said he climbed the wall, and it, I watched the video. And it looked like he barely climbed the wall. I'm like, what are people going so crazy over this catch for? I know it's. I, I wasn't uh, that impressed with it. No, it's the age of uh, instant reaction and hot takes. So, um, yeah, they're gonna go crazy over any catch. Um, but that just shows his prowess is defensively for a center fielder for the tribe to put him out there. In center field. Yeah. Well, and you know what? Another guy I could see is another Reds player is Adam Duvall, but I think the Reds like his bat a lot, but that could be a potential acquisition for the Indians. I mean, because of his, the power that he could potentially provide in the offense. But like I said, I think the Reds like his bat too much, and I don't see that. I see Hamilton being traded more likely than Duvall. Yeah, I think they'd want to probably dump the veteran and keep the younger guy, especially with his power and his bat. 
um, in the outfield. And, you know, the Indians really – I think anything's in play for the Indians as far as are they going to go after a defensive center fielder um, who can play defense and handle the bat at the bottom of the lineup, or are they going to go after a power-hitting right fielder who can, um, you know, put a little more power, a little more pop in the bottom of that lineup, but maybe not be as solid defensively as a center fielder would have to be. Yeah, well, and you know what? I think we should just go for the best of both worlds and go all in and try to get Whit Merrifield because I do believe he comes with some control too. Um, he can play second base and he can play outfield. Um, he gives you speed. He gives you average. He gives you defense. And he gives you a little bit of pop. I mean, I know that would, it's hard. Be, that would be ideal. I think. Yeah, we. I, it's if we. The best way to win the World Series is to go all in, and I think trading for Whit Merrifield is the best move here. I don't. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I definitely feel like the tribe has got one more. They're not done on the trade market yet. Absolutely not. They're they're going all in for World Series win uh, this year and years to come. Uh, with their starting pitching, they addressed the bullpen. And now they need to address the offense and the outfield a little bit. Oh yeah, definitely. And um, and you know what? Hey, we didn't address this. Jose Ramirez, his league leading thirtieth home run last night. How about yes. them apples? That guy's been on a tear lately. Um, Thirty home runs. Is, that's pretty impressive by that guy. Yeah, and he actually just surpassed um, Mike Trout and Mookie Betts in war, um, where uh, Mookie Betts and Mike Trout are at six-point war. Now Jose Ramirez leads the league in war at 6.7. So fully in the MVP discussions right now, Jose Ramirez is absolutely destroying everything, and he's, he's killing it everywhere for us. I mean, it's not just his bat. It's his defense. It's his speed. He's doing everything for us. Oh, yeah. He's got 57, 59, sorry, 59 extra base hits this year, 71 RBIs. I mean, the guy's playing great defense. Um, he's batting, batting over 300. I mean, this guy's going to be – he definitely should be the – he should be the uh, leader in the clubhouse right now with the uh, MVP award, I, in my opinion, and it's highly biased, but um, – just like you said, his defense, his um, offense, his all-around play. The guy's unbelievable. Switch hitter. I mean, he just does everything for the Indians, and we got it. And thank goodness we got him locked up. And he's he's by far the best value in baseball. Agreed. Agreed. Jose Ramirez is absolutely an elite player in this league, and it's we're lucky that we get to witness this. We're very lucky. Oh, one hundred percent. Yes, we are. This is this is our left side of the infield is probably I would put that left side of the infield with him and Lindor up against probably anybody in the history of the game. I mean, Agreed. those two guys, those two guys are unbelievable, just leaders of the team, you know, offensively and defensively. And I mean, thank goodness they're Cleveland Indians because I love watching them every night. Well, and you know what, their personalities are elite too. You know, Jose walks around. And he knows he's a star, but he's such a great teammate. And Francisco Lindor, his just love for the game is absolutely infectious. So, yeah. I mean, to have he's two... always got... Go ahead. He's always got a big smile on his face when he's playing. You know, he enjoys playing, um, which, you know, is, is awesome to see because there's so many guys around here who walk around like it's a business. But Lindor loves playing the game. He love, They love their teammates. 
I saw on Twitter where I think Brad Hand said something about coming to the Indians and you can't wait to get there. And Ramirez quote tweeted him and said, do you play Mario Kart? Because apparently that's the big game in the Indians clubhouse. Yeah, uh, uh, Jose Ramirez I think is a champ because uh, when Adam uh, Plutko got called up, he immediately asked for a rematch because Adam Plutko I think had beat him um, at that. So yeah, they – they have this team. They have fun in in and outside the clubhouse, and it looks like we're going to start winning ball games and start getting on that second half tear that we've always been able to get on. Yeah, things are looking up for the Indians, and uh, they've got the division wrapped up. There's there's no that's not even in doubt anymore, and um, just cruising on, getting ready for the playoffs. Hopefully, we we get Andrew Miller back pretty soon, get him in uh, in midseason form by the playoff time, and. Hopefully, the guy I'm interested in seeing is if Bradley Zimmer can come back and be a be the center fielder. I mean, he's a great defensive center fielder, but can he be the 250 to 275 hitter that we think he can be and you know handle the bat at the bottom of the lineup? Yeah, and you mentioned that earlier, and I've been watching this kid in the minors. The kid can hit. I mean, he's always struggled early on when he's gone up a level, and I think his struggles have been highly noted because he is such a highly touted prospect for the Indians. But, you know, if he can come back maybe in late August, early September and give us a little bit of production if we can't find somebody by then. I mean, honestly, right now, I think the best thing for Bradley Zimmer would be to stick around in AAA because, I mean, he's it just his bat just isn't producing enough at the major league level right now. But he is definitely an interesting piece for now and the future. Oh, for sure. He was the guy in the Miller trade. Um, basically, it was between Frazier, who did go to the Yankees, and Zimmer, who we decided to keep hang on to. So, yeah, he's got a lot of spotlight on it, and he's and the other thing is he makes great plays in center field. Yeah, and like, that's the reason why they kept him over Frazier was his speed and his defense in the outfield. Frazier couldn't play center, and he can. Yeah, and if we can get him to a two hundred and fifty to two hundred and seventy-five, you know, on a great year hitting three hundred. Um, he could be a cog in that offense for a long time coming. Oh, oh yeah, he's a twenty homer, twenty steal guy, and could easily have forty plus steals because he is his speed is elite and whatnot. I mean, he's got major potential, and I would love to see him live up to that potential. Oh, me too, me too. And um, I think if he comes back, if we can get him back in late August, give him the month of September. That, that would be like a late-season trade. Him, Andrew Miller coming back, who is by far the most dominant reliever in the last two years, him coming back would be like a late-season or, you know, a trade at the trade deadline without giving anything up. So we have two guys potentially coming off the DL um, who can make major impacts on this team. And that's not even talking about Lonnie Chisinau, who who knows about his calf. His calf can hold up through September – in October, I mean, there's another guy who could fill that right field void. Oh, yeah. The, Lonnie Chisenhall, when he's been healthy, because he has glass calves, um, has been an elite defender in the outfield. He has a great arm, and his bat has been so good over these last last couple years, and it's just been sad that we have been able to see it more consistently because of um, injuries, too. Because of injuries, Um Lonnie Chisinau is definitely somebody that would be um, a welcome addition back to this club, but who knows if his calves are going to hold up and whatnot. And, you know, it's not always 
it's hard. Sometimes it's a lot of times it's hard to come off the DL and then start producing again. I mean, look what happened with Brantley last year. He can't. He was on the DL for a while and then he came back and the Indians put him on the postseason roster and he did nothing for us. And I I continually made the case last year it should have been Yandy Diaz that should have got the roster spot because Brantley just he he didn't show it in that last week of the season and he was coming off an injury and I get it. The Indians were wanting the veteran, but I I still felt like Yandy deserved that postseason spot, and I I think we could have been looking at a different result with the Yankees had we not went with Brantley. On the yeah, um, they bring up the yeah I I agree with you there the um, the young I like always going with the younger guy because they they have they feel like they have things to prove and they always play with a little chip on their shoulder too so um, that could have helped us last year in the playoffs but. Looking forward to this year. It could be interesting um, going forward. Who comes back on DL? How, how they do coming back, and if the Indians will make another move at the deadline for outfielder and a little more offense. Uh, with Chris Antonetti at the helm and Mike Sharon off at GM, I think we need to be on trade watch at this point. I mean, Francisco Mejia was absolutely the best prospect we could get up to get a package like we did, but I I wouldn't doubt the Indian front office making another move because they always make it when we least expect it. And it's always something that impacts this club in a positive way. Oh, for sure. For sure. That It's going to be a um, be interesting next couple of months to see what happens. And then uh, as they roll into the playoffs uh, with their starting pitching, their now bolstered bullpen and their uh, offense, their offense can find a little consistency. We're sitting at 53 and 43 right now. So, I mean, even – High mid nineties, high nineties wins is not even out of the out of the realm of possibility with uh, with this club. Oh yeah, and I saw a tweet by uh, was it MLB dot com, and um, I think the Indians re- Indians account retweeted it, and then they added. It said that it said something about the American League was going to be like a bloodbath or something, and it had mm-hmm. like three. It had a player from it had Judge Betts and Altuve in black and white, and then the Indians retweeted it but they added Jose Jose Ramirez to it in color and then they added the Indians name on there and said that looks better I mean that with with the bullpen moves that we made the AL the American League is absolutely going to be a bloodbath in the playoffs I mean the Indians are they it was questionable whether they compete with the big boys if they didn't make a bullpen moves and the bullpen moves were absolutely smart because now they're ready to compete with the big boys oh for sure and Offensively, we're as good as they are, and starting pitching, we have the best starting pitching in the American League. And now with our bullpen moves, where our bullpen just got really solid, and to be able to uh, compete and in the play, and you're exactly right between the Astros, the Yankees, and the Red Sox and the Indians, that American League playoffs is going to be awesome, awesome to watch. It'll be a uh, mini I, World Series in itself. Well, yeah, I fully expect the World Series champion to come from the American League. Um, and every one of those series will be seven-game series with moves by the manager. And uh, I think that's where we have the advantage over everybody else is that managerially, um, Tito's better than uh, Osmus, better than Aaron Boone, and better than the name of the Red Sox manager is escaping me right now, but he's better than him too. I think you meant A.J. Hinch for the Astros, by the way. Oh, that's right. A.J. Hinch. Osmus is at the Tigers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Actually, yes. Osmus isn't managing the Tigers anymore. Ron Garnhire is managing the Tigers. Um, 
And the uh, Red Sox manager is uh, an old friend of ours, Alex Cora. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, Red Sox and that's Yankees it. with a couple first, first-time first managers. Um, I think we definitely have the um, – I think we definitely have the edge in that regard. Um, obviously, our starting pitching is absolutely elite, and with the bullpen additions, they're going to be able to get more rest down the stretch. Sounds good. As the Indians head into the World Series or to the playoffs, and hopefully the World Series, they'll be interesting to watch down the stretch of September and October. And it'll be an exciting time around Cleveland, and exciting time at a Progressive Field as the Indians um, are making their way hopefully to their first World Series in a long, long time. Okay, this is the recap of the British Open from Carnoustie in Scotland. The winner of the 2018 British Open, the Open Championship, was Francisco Molinari. He was two under today on the round with a total for eight under for the tournament. He shot a bogey-free two under today. He was the playing partner of Tiger Woods, who finished minus five even for the day um, in the tournament. Tiger finished tied for sixth. It was Tiger's best return after missing the Cut last month in the U.S. Open. Um, Tiger played as well, probably as he probably could have. He had to lead on the back nine for a couple holes, but then it just it looked like Tiger just got a little tired. Maybe the back gave out on him. Maybe he's not quite in major championship four, four rounds of golf shape. Um, but Tiger gave a great effort. Golf is extremely, extremely more interesting when Tiger's a part of the Championship contention. Um, I mean, he just moves the needle more than anybody else with regards to golf and the PGA Tour. Um, finishing second at minus six, there were three guys. Kevin Kisner, also an American, he finished. He was plus three on the day. He started the day tied for the lead at minus nine. He was plus three on the day, finished minus six. Uh, Justin Rose from England was minus two on the day. He is an interesting story. He made the cut right on the number on Friday, and then he he finished up. He went uh, minus two today, minus four yesterday to go minus six for the tournament. Finished tied for second. He was actually the leader in the clubhouse for a while. Uh, Also tied for second, Xander Schauffele. He was tied for the lead going into Sunday. Uh, He went three over also for minus six. Um, he had a chance. He had a chance late, but he ended up birdie, bogeying number seventeen. Uh, then needed a miracle eagle on eighteen and just couldn't do it. Uh, Rory McIlroy also finished tied for second from Northern Ireland. Rory was shot minus one for uh, finishing minus six. So we had four guys tied for second, um, and then your group at uh, tied for sixth. Eddie Pepperell. Kevin Chapel and Tiger all tied at minus five. The next group, uh, Matt Kuchar, Jordan Spieth, Tony Finau, all finished minus four. Uh, Jordan came into the lead, came into the day, tied for the lead also at minus nine. Uh, played in the final group, um, but he went five over today 
uh, four under. He also at one point in the second in the uh, second nine had the lead all alone, and then just uh, a couple of bad shots, a couple of missed putts. His putter really failed him down the stretch. Uh, Jordan Spieth just never recovered from that. Uh, so your 2018 um, Open Championship winner is Francisco Molinari, the first Italian uh, to ever win the Open Championship. He wins it at minus eight, minus two. He's probably he's one of the hottest golfers on the on the planet right now. He won the uh, Quicken Loans Arena or the Quicken Loans Arena, Quicken Loans Championship uh, by about seven or eight strokes a couple weeks ago in Washington D.C. So the guy is really uh, on fire right now. And he looking forward, first Italian to ever win the Open Championship. Next year's will be in Port Rush, and uh, I believe that's in Ireland. And um, so that's where the, the 148th Open Championship will be next July. And Francisco will be the defending champion coming into that. There's one more champ, one more major tournament left this year. It's the PGA in August. Um, it That'll be Tiger's last last chance for a major tournament this uh, this year, and it could be his. It could be it could really be his. Um, he's really on the way back as far as that goes. Um, as far as winning again, he looks like he's back. He just needs to get maybe in better shape. I don't know if his win will come this year or next year, but Tiger is really. Um, Looks like he's back, and he's really competing with these young guys. I think the young guys are really starting to uh, enjoy playing with him, and uh, because they, when they, I think they did the thing today, Shoffley and Jordan Spieth are the last group to tee off, and they um, are 24 years old. When Tiger won his first major, they were three years old. Tiger hasn't won a major in 10 years. But the guy still moves the needle like no one else in golf. Uh, his last chance for a major will be at the PGA and Bell Revere Country Club in St. Louis. Um, I mean, that's that's a beautiful course. It's probably, you know, Tiger, by August, by next month, he'll have a couple more tournaments in him. Um, maybe he gets another one before then. But definitely great to see him back making the cuts, making golf more interesting, and making it uh, – more appealing to the masses as far as that's, that's concerned. Um, also number one in the world. Also uh, one thing that happened this weekend, number one in the world, and number two in the world, Justin Thomas and Dustin Johnson both missed the cut on Friday, which was unbelievable. Um, those two missing the cut, but going forward, as far as the PGA champ, PGA tour goes, um, looking for Tiger Woods to keep making improvements, keep contending for tournaments, and hopefully this year he gets a win. If not, lead into the offseason, get healthier, and then next year for sure. I, I suspect Tiger will at least get one win, if not multiple wins, and compete for multiple majors next year. That's all the time we have for this week's Ohio Sports Blog Podcast. Join us next week as we continue to talk about the Tribe and their push for the postseason. Trades they're going to make for at the trade deadline, and young guys are going to bring up when the roster expands in September. Also, next week, Browns open up training camp in Berea 
looking to uh, put all those pieces they got in the offseason together to bring a winner to the Browns, to First Energy Stadium there on the shores of Lake Erie. Six weeks from now, they'll be opening up on Open up with the hated Pittsburgh Steelers, looking to get that elusive win number one and get this season off to a start. So look forward to seeing you next week and uh, have a great week.